Morning, church. Morning. Is that a good time of singing? It's good. Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Revelation. We enter into, Trevor prepped this last week for the seven bowls of God's wrath. Um, nothing says Happy Mother's Day like a bowl of wrath. I don't know what it is. We always land on these things on Mother's Day over the years, but uh, I guess that's when you preach expositionally, you just go through whatever it is, it is. You know, we don't stop and do a lot of topical stuff. So we're only going to be two more weeks in Revelation. We're going to take a break for the summer and be in the Psalms, and then we'll come back and finish in the fall. Kind of our late August, we'll kick back up in chapter 17 and then go all the way through toward Thanksgiving and finish up the book. Um, So I'm excited, though, for Psalms. Psalms of Ascent is what we're going to do. We'll have more on that next week and the week after. But two more weeks in Revelation. So let's read chapter 16, verse 1 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels... Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of God's wrath. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire And they were scorched by fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask for your blessing on the preaching of your word. All results are in your hand, Lord. I simply want to be faithful. I ask, Holy Spirit, and I believe that you will answer this prayer to help me do that. I pray, Lord, that your word would go forth powerfully, that it would be sharper than a two edged sword, piercing bone and marrow, soul, and spirit, that it would be effective for the purpose for which you send it, whether to save or to judge, and I pray for salvation. As we see the rain watering the land, Lord, this is you watering your field. May it not be in vain. May we not despise the Word of God. So clothe it with divine power 
in the lives of these people whom I love and you love. In your name we pray, O Lord Jesus. Amen. We're moving through this amazing book. Um, and as we do, Jesus has written letters to his churches. He has opened seals on the scroll of world history. Um, previews or trailers or hints of judgment. He's paused to encourage his people. Interludes. He sounded trumpets of judgment against the wicked, and now he pours out the bowls of his wrath, full strength. Take that image of a bowl. Just think about a, a bowl. Um, hold it in your mind. Imagine it. As people reject God, as they disobey God, as they dishonor God, that bowl is getting more and more filled with righteous, holy wrath. And at certain points in God's wisdom, and He's very patient, He is slow to anger, He chooses to pour it out. It gets poured out fully, down to the last drop. And the results are severe, devastating. I have a memory, and I'm, honestly, I'm not even sure if it's real or it's true. Do you ever have that? Like when you're a kid, you have a memory, you're not sure if it actually happened, but I have a memory of my brother taking a full gallon of milk and pouring it out on the floor, down to the last drop. Why, you ask, did he do that? We don't know. There's no good reason. But I just, I have a visual of seeing that happen, and my poor mother, who came in, saw that, but he didn't leave any in the, in the, you know, the carton. He poured it all out. Parents, I see some twitching. I see some PTSD, obviously. These things have happened to you. The bowls of God's wrath are like that. They are poured out fully to the end, all the way. As chapter 15 told us, this is the finishing of God's wrath. You know, this is what we have to understand. God, He is by nature just. But he is not by nature wrathful. Okay, wrath is only provoked when there is evil. If there's no evil, there's no need for wrath. Now, he's just and holy always. Now, here's how the bowls of God's wrath are different than what my brother did. Which, by the way, if you're paying attention, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus like when I bring up these stories. But, you know, I, I had my own problem. I was more of the elder brother. Okay, he was the more prodigal brother. So he just did dumb stuff. So we have funny stories. Okay, I didn't do as many dumb things, but I had pride and legalism, so I have my own issues. Um, God's wrath is different than that act of pouring out the milk in that it's not irrational. We don't know why he did that. It doesn't make sense. If you ask him, he doesn't even know, okay? But God's wrath is never irrational. It's never, why did you do that? It's never unpredictable. It's very, very predictable. We know when God will get angry. We know what provokes His wrath. Without a doubt, it is His holy, settled opposition to evil. Period. Anything that is evil, He is opposed to. Including something like death. 
That's why he will destroy death one day. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when Jesus comes, it will be no more. The first five bowls of God's wrath relate to things that are happening in the time that we live in. Between Jesus' first and second coming. The sixth, the seventh bowl relate clearly to the return of Christ. The final judgment. When there will be seven finishing, completing of God's wrath. And all together, that's what they represent. In terms of timing, seals and trumpets, the bowls have happened. They are happening and they will happen. They they have happened. they, They are happening. They will happen. So we don't want to think chronologically about the book of Revelation. It'll get very confusing for you. It's not linear. It's not this happened, then this happened, then this happened. No, it's the order that John sees things, and then he reports them to us. Then I saw. Then I saw. And often we're circling the same events, just seeing them from different angles. We're circling the same final judgment, but we're going to see There's a lot of different angles on it, a lot of different detail that comes out related to it. There's overlap. If you go back and read the seals, the trumpets, there's overlap with the bowls. Very similar in many ways. And it's the same kind of judgments happening. The difference is degree, the severity. With a few of them taking place The sixth, seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, the sixth, seventh bowl at the end. Here's what I want you to see as we go through the bowls. Five this week, two next week. Each one proves that idols will fail you, but God never will. Each one proves that idols will fail you, and God never will. Trusting idols will ruin you. Trusting God will save you. You need to hear that because every day you are tempted in your own heart and by the enemy and by the world to trust in idols. Things that promise to give you what only God can. Freedom, identity, meaning, significance, fulfillment. We're all looking for that stuff. We were made for it. We were just made to find it in God, not in anything else. So we're going to see here, the idol of health will fail you. The idol of your bank account will fail you. The idol of power will fail you. The idol of food and resources, having enough, will fail you. The idol of the government, religion, institutions, in the end, if you trust in them, if you hope in them, they will fail you. But the living God through the promises of the gospel in Jesus Christ will never fail you. The one sure thing in all the universe is the promises of God in the gospel through Jesus Christ our Lord. That you can take to the bank, that you can hope in, that you can bet your life on, and you will always win. And you need to hear it because there are forces working against you every day to try to make you not believe that. You got to look somewhere else, you got to find something else. It's something more tangible. 
God says, that's a lie. And I'm going to take away the idols of the world to prove it to you. I'm going to judge them by taking it away. One after the other after the other. So let's walk through the five bowls and you're going to see it. Verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice, God's voice, we think, probably, most likely, from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went out and poured his bowl on the earth. Now notice, on the whole earth. Not a third of the earth like the trumpets. These are worldwide calamities. And harmful, painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Now, Important point, the bowls of wrath are not poured out against God's people. God is not punishing you. Clearly, those who carry the mark of the beast. So if you have the seal of God, if you're one of his people, this is not for you. It's not a judgment against you. It's not wrath against you. Jesus took the curse for you on the cross. It's finished. Now, They are not against you, but they can still affect you because we live in this world too. You know, not only unbelievers got sick when we had a worldwide pandemic, did they? Some of you got sick. I got sick. Uh, What do we make of that? For the wicked, having their health removed is an act of judgment. For the believer, having our health removed, God is working that for good. For the good of your salvation. Even those who died, what happened to them in the Lord? The best thing happened to them. They went to be with Jesus. So, is the suffering real? Is the pain real? Is it a bad thing? Yes, but God in his love for you works it for good. That is not true for the wicked. So he's not punishing you when these things come into your life. When suffering, he's not punishing you. He loves you. But we're still a part of this world and it's fallen. And we experience these things. It's not a judgment. God works it for good. So John is giving us symbols of God's wrath. And to understand, and we have to remember our principle that this is a book of symbols. Apocalyptic literature is symbolic, largely. And so we have to access the truth through our imagination, through the symbols. So what do painful sores represent? Anybody? Health. Health. Is that what you're going to say, Greta? No? Okay. Your health. God says, health is a false god. It can be an idol in your life, so I'm going to take it away to prove it to you. He exposes it as a false God by taking it away. If it was the real God, if your health was the real God, it it would have fought back. (laughs) It wouldn't have let God do that. It would have proven that it is a real God, that it has power, but it doesn't. How do you know if you're idolizing your health? And I want to take this into real life terms. If the main problem you're focused on in your life is your health, you might have an idol. If that's what you're focused on. If if you're thinking a lot about, I want a different body, I wish I had a different body, I wish I had less acne, you know, I I wish I had better hair, I wish 
like a little, a few less wrinkles, Lord, could you, do, could you throw me a bone? You know, if you're thinking about that, if, if you know, you never want to get sick, it really bothers you when you get sick, and you're always frustrated with that and thinking about that, it might be an idol of the heart. If good health care, if clean food is functionally your salvation, this is what you're looking to, to make it all good, to make it all right, might be an idol. God is saying, if you look for fulfillment, peace in your health, you will be disappointed. It is idolatry, and I take it away to reveal that, that it is fleeting and powerless to give you the good life. And in these judgments, I want you to hear promises of grace on the flip. So hear the promise of grace. If you trust in me when your body fails you, if you will humble yourself when you get sick and when you suffer, I will reward you with a perfect body, a glorious body that will last forever and it will never have any blemishes. It will never be sick. It will never be tired. I will reward your trust. If you look away from that and to me, Do you know the Father gave His Son's body to be broken so that yours, one day soon, will never be broken again? That's a beautiful promise that we probably don't think about enough. Verse 3, second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. Now, just to clarify, seven bowls don't mean seven literal judgments, like that's it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's representing completeness or fullness. This could be happening hundreds, thousands of times between Jesus' comings. And it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea. Well, what does the sea represent? Different things in the Bible. I think in this case, economic security. In that day, your economic security was tied to the sea. Fishing, trading, water. God judges the idol of economic security by taking it away. So hear the warning. If the main problem you're trying to solve in your life is a money problem, it might be an idol. If you spend a lot of time thinking about finances, talking about finances, even praying about finances, that might be an issue in your heart. You know, our prayer lives reveal a lot, don't they? And we think, like, how could it be bad to pray for that? Well, if it's dominating your prayers, if that's where you go to, that's where you end up all the time. It might be an idol in your life if every time you talk to someone and they say, hey, how you doing? What you go to most of the time is money stuff. Oh, so, you know, such as they're so expensive. Oh, it costs a lot to buy a gallon of milk these days. Oh, you know, we had, man, our savings account really took a hit. Oh, my, my retirement account is just, if that's just what kind of comes out of your mouth without thinking all the time, and you're like, someone's not even taking you there, you're just going there all the time, eh. well, evaluate your heart that you might be looking to, trusting in, seeking after what you think money can give you. Tim Keller says it this way. 
Lovers of money are those who find themselves daydreaming, fantasizing about new ways to make money, new things to buy, and looking with jealousy on those who have more than they do. Trusters of money feel they have control of their lives and are safe and secure because of their wealth. So easy, isn't it? I was watching a show recently and it illustrated this. The couple in the show, very financially secure, very well off, they're doing well. And behind the wife's back, the husband takes the house, takes the bank account, the retirement account, everything, and puts it all into a risky financial venture, and it blows up, it fails, and he has to tell her what happened. And man, when he tells her, it's not like she's disappointed, it's not like she's hurt. She goes into a rage, panic mode. She starts yelling at him. This is everything I worked for. I had nothing when I was a kid and I made something of myself. I worked hard to get to this point. I will not be poor. I will not not be rich. You might have an idol. When it's taken away, how do you react? That's another good indicator. But I think that's often how we think. We have an internal fear that I don't want it to be like it was for me as a kid. I don't want this to happen. I don't want to have to do that. And we grab on really tight to this thing that seems so tangible, so powerful, that if I just have this, and that's what she thought, if I have this, I'll be safe. And then it got taken away. What did she have? Your life is basically over. Why go on living? What do you do? Unless you just start over and try to get it back. I want to say to anybody who feels that way, there is a person who is worthy of your trust who will always make you feel safe and secure. His name is Jesus. That's who she needs. That's who we all need. In this bowl, God is saying, if you get your stability and your security from your standard of living, you will always feel out of control. If you have a fear of not having enough money and you're trying to get over that hump and try to get to that point, you will always be fearful. You will always be insecure. You will always be anxious because what if? Even when you get it, you're afraid to lose it. He takes it away like that to reveal to people in this world, it is a false God. It's false. And man, we, I just think we don't even realize how tied into money we get. Now the promise the beautiful promise within the judgment, if you trust me, instead of your ability to make financial moves, the market, your account, your education that's going to get you a good job, I will reward you with the riches of eternal life, is what God says. If you trust me. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, 
Yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You're rich. You think of yourself that way? I don't care how much money you make. You're rich. If you are a Christian, you are rich. And you're not going to just inherit an acreage outside of town that you've had your eye on. Or a lake house. You're inheriting the glorified earth. Do you think about that? Where are your thoughts? Is that there more? Or what I want out of my house? Or the next house I want? just changes. It puts everything in perspective. The gospel does. And that's a promise of the gospel. It's not free. It costs Jesus his life. Verse 4. Look at it with me. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you a holy one who was, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Not a PG image here, is it? Usually we we don't let the kids watch the movies where people drink blood. That's typically not what we do, especially their own blood. No thanks. We're going to move on to something else. But this is the Bible. It's not PG. It's a bloody book. And we have to trust it. We have to believe that all of it is useful, all of it is needed, and not be more prudish than God. You hear what I'm saying? That we get a little, and God's like, what? That's what I said. What's your problem? Yeah, it should affect you, but I don't like that. I don't want to, I'm not going to read that to the kids before bed. We need to trust it. And I hear, I heard the altar saying, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. I think this bowl is about power. You worship power, what it brought you. You acted like gods. You used your power to slander, persecute, and kill God's people. Now you will lose even the ability to drink water to keep yourself alive. John is drawing on Isaiah 49, 26. I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. All the world will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. So you take life and yours is going to be taken. You mess with God's people, God messes with you. That's just the way it works. Like a loving, protective father... God keeps special score of the things done to his kids, the wrongs done to his kids. He's keeping score. And that's why we don't have to. That's what frees you to pray for your enemies, to bless those who persecute you. What? That is the last thing I feel like doing when someone persecutes me, when I have an enemy. I don't want to pray for them. Except that God would strike them down in their evil. Well, God's keeping track. He sees it. He knows. He can handle it. I can leave it alone. Verse 5. 
What does the idol of power look like? Usually it's tied up with fear. Fear of being powerless, fear of someone not listening to you, fear of losing something, and so you want to be in control. You raise your voice, you manipulate, you threaten, you leverage money. You always have to have the last word. You have to be over people, not beside people. You follow over people, not beside. That's, that's power. I have to be over you. And in God's world, just the way God has set up the world, it's a dead end. It doesn't work. Grasping for power doesn't work. He exalts those who willingly lay it down for the good of others. Case in point, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That is true power. That is true power. And if it gets into your heart in a deep way, into the fabric of your life, that the way up is down, watch what God's going to do. Watch what he will do with your life. If you try to go up by going up, he will knock you down. What comes before a fall? Pride. I want power. I want to make things the way I want them to be. I will get my way. Okay, maybe for a little bit, but you're going to have to deal with God and he will deal with you. But if you go down, if you go down the way Jesus did, if that gets deep into your bones, now now God's got somebody he can use. Powerfully. Powerfully. It's what made Jesus the most powerful and influential person who has ever lived. And you want to be powerful and influential in the lives of the people that you care about and in this world? Philippians 2. Verse 8. Fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by fierce heat. And they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Very similar to the second bowl, so I'm not going to spend much time here. Taking away food security, famine, plague. It's interesting. It's the opposite of what God promises us in Revelation 7. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. So again, something that he offers to us in Christ, in glory, He takes away from this world to show it's fleeting. Don't put your hope in it. Verse 10. Fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now, God is judging governments, religions, world systems that foster idolatry aligned with the beast by taking them away. The original hearers would have thought of the Roman Empire. That's what they're probably connecting to here, which God did eventually take away. 
And there have been many Romes that have risen and fallen since then. So God has done this. He is doing this. He will do this until he comes again. And I think for us, the temptation here is a preoccupation with our government. A preoccupation with the government. Now, the news cycle feeds that because that generates money. The more clicks, the more the more interest, the more you're watching, paying attention, doing your thing online, whatever, generates money. So, so yeah, we're being fed that, we're being hooked into that. I'm not just talking about being aware. That's a good thing. I'm talking about intensely focused. Intensely focused on what the government is doing. So that the president or the governor or our beloved mayor, they make a decision you don't agree with, and it's like three days of rage. You're not just disappointed, yeah, I don't think I would have done that. You're angry. Or you're in panic mode. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix that? Well, if he does that, and they do, that's going to lead to, and, oh, my gosh, what are we? It might be an idol. If you are intensely focused on it, it might be something that you're trusting in. Whether you're really critical or whether you're really positive. God is saying if you look to a government, any government, ultimately for freedom, protection, security, good things. But if the government If I could just get it to do what it's supposed to do, that's why I get those things. You're going to be disappointed. If you look to any political leader, any spiritual leader, ultimately, as Savior, you will be disappointed. They will let you down. I will let you down. One person who won't. The fall of kingdoms in this world is an act of the wrath of God. To reveal they are false gods. They are not the real God. Only His kingdom is forever. Only He is Savior. If you trust, if you trust in a kingdom that is to come, a kingdom whose designer and builder is God, then you shall have it. If you look by faith to a better country ahead, a a city that has foundations, you shall have it. If you desire a heavenly kingdom, then God is not ashamed to be called your God. And you shall have it in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you will look ahead to a city that He is preparing for you, a place that He is preparing for you, and turn your eyes off of these worldly kingdoms, you will have it. I am really thankful for the Constitution of the United States. Is it, a, it is a good thing, and I am thankful for it, but i got to remember there is a better Constitution coming where we will live according to the very words of God every moment of every day. And there won't be any need for law enforcement. We will be enforced by the Holy Spirit, to live in perfect righteousness every moment of every day. Can you wait for that? Are you excited about that? Unbelievable. We don't have to 
interpret the text of a constitution because it will be written on our hearts. So as much as we can give thanks for things in this world, let's not forget something better is coming. Something that we were made for. We're not made for this world. This is not our home. Don't get sucked in. Yes, participate. Be a good citizen. Don't get sucked in in your heart to believing this is it. It's not. And that's why so much of the Bible, so much of the New Testament is looking forward to the world to come. And we sing about it all the time. When he comes, when he comes, when he comes. God's been warning, rebuking, alerting the world to this for a long time. But apart from his saving grace, every human heart will not repent. We dig in. We just dig in. Look at it. God God warns us, and what do we do? Apart from his grace, people nod their tongues in anguish. They just, they hate the pain. Curse the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Listen, no no one is pleading for God to forgive them. Please, please, Lord, forgive me. I was wrong. Save me. And God, like, stiff-arming them. Nope, not elect. Sorry. Nope, no can do. That doesn't happen. All who come to me, I will not cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. That's the promise. That doesn't happen. That's not what people are doing. You could, you could crush them, take everything away from them like Job, and they will not repent apart from the grace of God. The natural state of human beings is to ignore God when things are good and to blame him when things are bad. That's just who we are. People feel the pain, but they don't change. They experience the consequences of their decisions. They just get more angry at reality. You know, it's like punching a wall in anger and then being mad at the wall for breaking your hand. It's like throwing a bowling ball up in the air and then cursing gravity for making it fall on your head. What's wrong with you, gravity? How could you do that to me? It's insane, which is a good word for sin. Insanity. Moral insanity. So some of you need to listen very closely because God is trying to get through to you. God is trying to get through. You're not living His way. Bad things are happening. And you're just getting more mad at God more mad at everybody else, more mad at your circumstances, blaming everyone and everything except you. There's no hope in that. It's not going to work. Don't harden your heart. Hear what I'm saying. Give up the fight against God. You will not win. God is undefeated. In a battle of wills, He is undefeated. And you are not going to be the first. So give up. 
the unbelievable truth, if, if you feel like I'm talking to you, this is what you need to hear. The unbelievable truth is that God continues to knock and offer healing of your anger and your pain. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And, and he, he, these things that are happening to you in your life, and, and some of you, it's people that you know. Things that are happening in, in life that's just, it's one thing after the other. It's problem. It's, it's pain. It's, it, it's God trying to get through and saying, give up. Bow your knee. Break your will. And if you pray and you ask God to do that, if you ask him to change you, help you, save you, he will. All who seek, find. Maybe today, if you pray according to his great mercy, he will cause you to be born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. That's my hope for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that the only reason, the only reason we are not experiencing the wrath of God at this very moment is that Jesus paid it all. If it wasn't for your intercession, substitutionary mediation and atonement in our lives, Lord Jesus, all we would have to look forward to is wrath all that we would experience, and we would not repent. So provoke just a thankfulness, a gratitude, a spring in our step, whatever's going on in our life, our deepest problem has been solved. Our deepest need has been met. And we want to sing and praise you and give you glory for that. In your name.